0: This is Fintech Cappuccino, your Saturday morning podcast with a pinch of espresso on the why and how of Fintech. The show is hosted by Brian van Wachem, CEO of Redsnap, and I'm Connie Dorstein, founding partner of Bankify.
1: Hi, Connie with Brian. Hey, hey Connie, Brian. Re- regarding the podcast, um, yeah? what about a guest with an investment background, an asset manager who worked all over the world? Um we can have the global marketing hat from Rubeko.
0: Oh, well, that's actually quite a good idea because we can also then travel the world and talk about the various regions with him because they're all over the place. And I think it's cool. We can talk some, uh, you know, AI, some robo-advice, some quants, and of course, talk about him. So, um, yeah, let's talk to him and see, um, because that's a segment we haven't looked at a lot at yet.
1: Okay, I'm going to call him and I'm going to invite him for the podcast. Yeah?
0: Let's bookmark. See you Thanks, later. and Have a good one. Bye.
1: Bye. Welcome, Mark. What makes this a perfect Saturday morning soundtrack for you? Yeah,
2: it's one of one of the many many perfect uh, Saturday morning soundtracks I have. I have a very diverse music taste, and I just picked this one because it's nice and easy. Um, it's actually Korean uh, pianist uh, Jirimu, um, who's who's actually great, um, and a, a German DJ who remixed this song. Um, it gives you a great feeling Saturday morning. I do. Uh, I'm actually not very lazy Saturday morning. I Do lots of sports and uh, kind of running with this music in my ears um, is for me a perfect Saturday morning.
0: Okay. Um, looking back on the on the week, what news caught your particular attention?
2: Yeah, it's. Um, I hate to do this, but I very stay very close to um, to my um, the industry I'm active in, the asset management industry. The biggest asset manager in the world, BlackRock. Their CEO. Uh, Larry Fink, published his annual letter to CEOs. He does an annual letter where he writes to the CEOs of big companies in the world. And it's for the first time all about sustainability. And you might know that BlackRock has it under um, uh, many climate activists, protesters, against BlackRock's lack of sustainability in their investments. And uh, they make a big U-turn now. Everything is uh, in this letter from beginning to end is about sustainability. And, uh, in, in,
0: in, the, in the letter, because I cannot imagine that he's going to turn back all of his investments in existing companies.
2: He's making quite bold statements and saying that he will make big changes in their investments. And from my company is one of the leading asset managers in this space. And it's actually great to see that they are kind of joining the crowd. Because uh, in our industry, everybody's moving in that in that direction, but we also know that it will take a bit of time. We've we've been doing this for more than 20 years, and they're starting to
1: do it now.
0: Well, I'm delighted to see that the big companies are reading that zeitgeist as well. But we'll come back to we'll that. We'll come
1: back to sustainability quite a while, I guess. Good. Right, Connie? Yes,
0: absolutely. So- Mark Teriele has been active in the asset management industry across the globe for over 20 years. He served in various senior executive roles based out of Amsterdam, Jakarta, Hong Kong and London. He covered asset management markets in Asia-Pacific, Europe and Latin America. And today he's the head of global marketing at Rabico. His experience in business development, marketing, corporate development and strategy has been instrumental in delivering access to his clients. He held board positions at various asset management entities across Asia, Pacific and Europe. So, yes, welcome, Mark. We're going to talk strategy. We're going to talk international. And we're going to talk excellence.
1: Okay, Mark, to just jump in immediately. What are the dots that connect your work at all three financials where you work for? Uh, Fortis, BNP Paribas and Rob Or, or, to be very American, what makes you tick work-wise? It's the, um, the diversity and in the international
2: uh, business I oper- we operate in. It's truly global. And um, as uh, Connie well mentioned, I've, I've, um, I've lived in, in a couple of places, different parts of the world. And um, making different cultures work together, making different, um, operating in different countries with different aspects, different regulations, that excites me every day.
0: Well, fintech and asset management, you know, when we talk fintech, people immediately make the jump to sort of retail banking. But I think that there is a hell of a lot more interesting and fascinating stuff happening in the fintech space with new technologies in the sort of more complex worlds as well of asset management, investments, etc. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through a few of those technologies and see, you know, what, what your take on that is in your particular industry. And uh, both RBC in Canada and Deutsche Bank published some excellent papers at the beginning of the year with 2025. 2030 outlooks on on the bigger picture around technology and a possible impact in our lives so let's start with the first one quantum anything so we're going to computing power analyzing power market share you know what will be the impact of this quantum anything be on the investment industry size speed quantum
2: our industry has has been impacted already by this, um, by this development for quite a few years and will continue to be impacted. It's First of all, it's analyzing data. Uh, data is, is key to our business when we, we, when we make investment decisions. And every time it gets, it gets easier and faster to analyze those data. But the supply of data increases as well. It's, um, and that's not only in when we make investment decisions, but also the data we get on our clients. Uh, Because more and more our clients interact through digital with us, uh, online with us, and analyzing that data and using that data and servicing our clients better becomes important every year. And that's been going on for for a decade now and will continue to to um uh, to further develop over the coming decades. And,
0: and which part of the technology will help you most in that will it be something like ai sort of you know the deep ai or will it also be something that has some moral equivalent to it or will it be the speed of light because you know very fast lines are very important if you're trading you know what what element of technology will probably impact it most to you
2: AI is is a hot topic in the asset management industry and and uh, there are many developments in that space but it's still it's being tested in many places you have developments where uh, news is analyzed news flows globally is analyzed on particular companies and interpreted by uh, artificial intelligence methods we look at those we use those but we use it as one element in making our investment decisions it is uh, on the other end, the, 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 the speed element you mentioned, that is, I think, more long-term impact that has been happening and will continue to make our, make our lives and our business uh, faster every year. And uh, that increases demand for people working in, that, in, that, in our business and in our industry every yeah. year as well.
0: So moving from sort of the back office and the quant department to sort of more the front office, um, two things, the agility imperative. Eh? So you have to react faster to change. Now, I think it's very difficult to very quickly react to change when you when your business is in long term investments, you know, unless you're a day trader, you know, that mm-hmm. is a tough one. But if you look at technology, um Agility and developments, think robos, think advice. You know, if you go to the customer side of the business, do you, and reacting to change there, do you think uh, bots will take over your advice role? Do you think it will still be a people industry? You know, where do you see that agility in dealing with the customer happening?
2: It will always uh, be a people's business. and But bots will increasingly help our business and make our lives easier. Um, I think that's that's the uh, the big summary in the big picture.
0: Yeah. So where the bottom, where the person?
2: The person, uh, the person is always there um, as a final check and a final check to figure out and to make sure that what we're doing still fits our clients' needs on the front, end, yeah. but also fits the markets that we invest in and the market decisions that we make. And why I'm saying, and bots can be very intelligent and can go quite far in making those decisions but we also have an environment and a business and a market that changes every day the variables change every day and you need a you need a person in the end to double-check whether those variables are still in line yeah with the, the, the variables that the bots use to take those decisions yeah.
0: And then finally, um, uh, a third trend that they, they, both those companies spoke about is escalating uncertainties. And in all fairness, as a historian, I'm always a bit sort of peculiar about that because I think we have always lived with uncertainties. Mm. If we think they're now bigger than, you know, 100 years ago, well, go and read your history is always my lesson. But anyway, escalating uncertainties, scenario thinking can help. You spoke about BlackRock, want Black to go sustainable. So let's assume, let's leap forward... Oil dra- prices are going to drop as a result of more sustainable resources available. You know, would that then create instability in the big oil markets like Russia, Venezuela, Saudi Arabia? I mean, are those things that uh, are on the menu? Are those things that you think about if you think really long term?
2: <laughs> Th- this is our everyday business. I'm very much with you, Connie. This is this is nothing new. This is this uncertainties has has have always been there, and uncertainties or risks in the investment management business are, are, are the main variable we look at and we analyze every day. And that will never change. So thinking about what will happen to oil price and how it will, how it will be impacted by sustainable development, that is uh, what our analysts and our fund managers and our people have to do every time to make sure that the investment decisions we take... And with also as far view- forward
0: as that... Sorry. And also as far forward as that. They really take a long-term view as well. Oh, definitely. Definitely.
2: Yeah. You can only do that if you take a long-term view. We are in, we are in an industry which is long-term. We we uh in general manage money which people invest with us for their
1: pensions, for their long-term savings. And you can only do
2: that if you take a
1: long-term view. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, l- let's go a little bit further on uh, sustainability. And first, uh, let's um, let's get it here into the studio first, and then we'll move out further. So, um, what have you changed yourself in your or your family's life? Um, you know, to be more sustainable.
2: There's an electric car in front of the door, which I I bought like three months ago. Okay. Um, full electric. Uh, an amazing experience to drive electric for the first time, but it's. Also, that has been going on for quite a few years. We, we, um, uh, we separate our garbage. We, um, uh, we're actually moving to a new place. We're renovating a new place, which is um, a, lot of, a lot of it's being done in a very sustainable way.
0: Do you have teenagers?
2: I do. I do. It's
0: very I'm hard to cut showering times, isn't it? To cut? Cut showering times, you know, cut the water <laughs> <laughs> in the bathroom. That's a challenge.
2: I'm, I'm actually <laughs> amazed how, how hot of a topic this has become for teenagers um True. it is not i myself when i was a teenager long ago when my parents started to talk to me about dimming the lights or yeah. or showering shorter <laughs> i was oh mom come on and, and 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 it kind of kind of um you go against them and you showered longer you kept the lights on <laughs> this there's generation no is different' There's no debate they are actually they are actually a out of, of us that's, that's uh, it might have been greater gunberg who, who set the scene for them but all of a sudden they got it they they get a they get a better understanding and and they don't do it
1: they don't do it but they (laughs) at least got the concept right
2: (laughs) hey um, at at least it's in their heads and they might not always do it but i'm i'm actually quite impressed by how fast it goes with them and they're overtaking our uh, let's see let's say our
1: generation
0: yeah Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way you're asking the question brian but what are you what have you changed in your life
1: well, I swallowed my whole ego and I'm driving just through the week. I'm driving a Ford Fiesta. So, I mean... Well, but is it electric? <laughs> no.
0: Well, that's no. his contribution No, so, but it has society. less than yeah.
1: 100 uh, horsepowers and it have three cylinders. So, I, th- <laughs> I think I'm pretty... Uh, you can do a bit more, <laughs> sustainable. Brian. Sustainable. So, much for Brian.
0: Maybe better carry on with the discussion. All right.
1: <laughs> hey, Mark. So, so as a, as a global CMO, right? Um, on Robeco. So, the whole sustainability. I mean, I, we're looking at... The industry and most of the financials we work with they all have sustainability now you know suddenly you know in their vision and purpose etc so how do you make sure that it's more than a marketing slogan and sorry this is this is this
2: is on top of my agenda every day and we actually in our industry we call this greenwashing it's people who Finally, get the message and they're kind of paint their websites green and they call it sustainability. We know and we're convinced that with us it's for real because we've been doing it for more than 20 years. My big challenge is to convince the market and to show our clients that for us it's for real. So how do you do that? We call ourselves a content-based marketing operation. Uh, so everything we do and every statement we make, every advertisement we make, every event we organize, there's always a piece of content, a kind of white paper, a magazine, a, an article that showcases our knowledge and our experience in that, in that field. And this is our business is not a... I'm, I'm not shipping boxes. Our business is a people's business. I'm managing money, which is not tangible. It is tangible in the end in terms of the performance we deliver but it's not a package I'm sending to a client and they can, they can actually see it. So I need to show that our people and the way we, we take our decisions is done in a sustainable way. And that okay. I show that by showing our content and showing particular the reporting element, so showing the impact investments had and how environmental, social, or governance Aspects are taken into account in these decision makers. yeah, because I'm
0: sure that institutional investors, uh, you know, they want to see a policy that literally where you demonstrate, like, okay, we don't do anything with guns, but we do invest in companies that supply screws that go into guns. I mean, yeah. sort yeah. of that level, uh, you really have to go that deep, and yeah. you okay, oh,
2: definitely. So, we and this is a constant development. So we're, we're constantly improving our reporting. And the reporting on sustainability, it contains a large piece of what we send to our clients. And it goes as deep as that. So it shows really how sustainable uh, these investments are. Compare to, and we we always compare to benchmarks in our industry. So we take how sustainable the benchmark is with a number, and we show how sustainable the the client's investment is with a number on many aspects: on climate, on gender diversity, on all aspects that are important in what we call ESG, so environment, social, and governance aspects.
1: Hey, and um, so I mean I understand this, uh, but you also are of course dealing with the uh, day-to-day reality, which is return, right? Uh, yeah. For for uh, for the investors, um, do you think that the market is already big enough for you know a substantial move of investment into sustainable? Definitely, and this is actually a question
2: with which is long gone. We and I think again, I was I was talking about the BlackRock letter. It is not a niche anymore. It is not a small part of our industry anymore. It's everywhere. And we are firm believer that soon only clients that take only companies that take sustainability seriously will be making a profit. You can see today that the, the, the price for renewable energy is almost, almost at par with fossil fuel uh, energy production. And that will continue to, to shift. So you will see that in the end companies that really move in this direction are making the bigger profits and are the ones that you should invest in if you want long-term returns. So the great thing about this movement is that now the market force so before it was it was it was often pushed by regulation, so government saying you need to be more you need to be greener, you need to be more sustainable. And now you see the market push or market pull actually. So you at the um, tipping point, basically. Exactly, and we're, okay. we're we're at at the tipping point in this in this in this movement.
0: Okay, so leading on from sustainability, I think there's uh, sustainability is all about reading the sign of the times and where the world's moving. And I just I recently wrote a blog about this, about um, had advice to, in my sense, it's normally bankers, but like best advice 2020 is read the bloody zeitgeist. Yeah. And through a clear lens, don't fool yourself that the world's different because you're in your uh, your little comfort zone of, um, you know, the well-to-do and, and act on this. And um, one of the things that we see, and, and Brian and I speak about this a lot, is also the impatience of people with, you know, the more polluting forces of power and money. Uh, with normal people paying all the tax because we want to live in a nice country where the light goes on or where everybody has education... And the big corporations shy away from that because they have the money and the power to create structures to avoid that. Uh, And and so it literally becomes a place where certain big corporates or certain people move into money land. I'm sure you heard about the book from Oliver Burrow. And um, so so what is is your take on that? Do you think that that is just short-term irritation? Or do you think it is a persistent move away from it's very cool if you know how to stash your money away, which we saw in the eighties. And now like you're very not cool if you do that. Where do you sit? It's a personal question mark.
2: Yeah, oh, oh, definitely. It's, it's a, I'm a, I'm a very positive person. So I think it's a, it's a questionable thing. You you should question this, 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 uh, I didn't read Moneyland, but I, I read the extract and I, I think I know what it's about. Uh, it's a, about avoiding tax, it's about. it's actually about greed.
0: It's about living anywhere and contributing yeah. nowhere.
2: And um, <laughs> and that is also not new. Thirty, forty years ago, the Dutch people drove to Luxembourg with uh, with a pile of cash and put it on their bank in Luxembourg because it was a banking secrecy.
0: I know. Where do you stand? What's your take on this? Do you think? Um,
2: let me let me let me go there so in in Europe does this, this has changed already a bit uh governance become more and more strict on this banks are more and more chaste on it I think this is part of the the sustainability movement as I mentioned this is um, this is the G in ESG this is governance yeah. so markets also demand from from corporates that they take these ethics seriously and that they just don't uh, move around money just to get to to improve profits but they do it in a in an ethical in, an in, an ethical a, way. in a in a good way
0: and uh, and and do you you know that last year in august you know all these big companies in america signed this from shareholder to stakeholder sort of uh, pledge mm-hmm. do you see this when you speak to or when uh, you as a bigger only uh, speak to companies that they really take this seriously and that they take it on board or do you think it was very much also a marketing first message
2: no um we we very much see companies taking this on board and the the thing is that as an investor these days we are a lot more active in shareholders meetings in engaging with companies um, on all kinds of aspects of their of their company and it's so it's not only it's definitely not only anymore about profits and 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 improving profits we want companies if we invest in them to take all these elements seriously yeah. and we make a point about it and this is for us, for us a very important element where you can do this in two ways. You can exclude companies that you don't like because they don't take these, all these elements seriously. We rather engage. So if they're really bad, we exclude them. We don't invest yeah. in them. But we'd rather be very, uh, for the companies that we still think we have a chance of making a change, we, we, we go to shareholders meetings and we're very active in making our voice heard and uh, push them to change.
0: And they are difficult dilemmas. You cannot change everything overnight. Right? Exactly.
2: So that's, that's the, um, we call that the transition risk, which we're very much, uh, that's again the analyzing we do about how these changes will impact and how they will impact long
1: term. Thank you Hey Mark. Um, so one topic from your industry which I would like to uh, discuss and then we're going to talk about you more so but the you know we live in a world of increasingly platform banking, right So that's the interconnected services. Um, where do you see investment services sitting there?
2: As I mentioned at the beginning, investment services is a is a lot more global business already moving money around the world investing around the world has been very very easy which also means that for us serving clients all over the world is has become part of our daily business so it is a, and it's 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 a very competitive industry. It's a very open industry. It's very transparent in terms of the performance that we deliver. So again, this is a change that has already been taking and be impacting our industry for many years and will continue to impact. Yeah, it.
1: and you're doing the play, of course, uh, for years already also, right, with... Uh with, uh, yeah, but it, it, doesn't, it yeah. doesn't
2: mean that we're sitting back and saying, okay, we're doing this already. Uh, we know that this is, uh, and, and that's what I liked about the Zeitgeist mentioned made earlier, this is what we need to do uh, every year and every time is think about where this is moving and how this is developing.
1: So on the investment services, will it be faceless, but hyper-personalized service behind the butt, or will it become more people-driven as a result of too much tech? and too little confidence of the public.
2: It's um, We as a firm, we don't do a lot of direct retail globally, but we work very closely with what we call wholesale distributors who have all this retail contact. So we talk a lot to them about these kind of developments, and we try to facilitate them in serving their clients. It's a bit of a lame answer, but I think it's uh, we need a balance between the two. You're absolutely right. People are and when we talk to those distributors, people are asking for this personal uh, contact, and they're, they're actually screaming for a bit more personal contact with, with an advisor that I actually talk, can talk to them. But we also live in a world where we look for efficiencies and, we, and, and we're moving fast. So we need to implement those digital tools. In a way that it still that it accommodates these these advisors, the, the the personal contact that that can still happen. And I think at some stage we're we're kind of kind of going too much one way and trying pushing too many of our clients to full digital, uh, where we need to take a bit of a step back and add some personal contact there.
0: Brilliant bridge here, Mark, because. Consumers as well, who were all saving guinea pigs, particularly in the Netherlands, you know, we're in a zero interest situation. So no doubt that will drive more people into investing, I think. So um, let's explore some alternative investment uh, opportunities. What do you personally, um, again, I'm asking you, uh, what do you make about cryptocurrencies, because I love that it started out as a libertarian principle that wasn't government control, but of course, it quickly turned into a magnet for speculation with all the supporting rough ride of the valuations. So do you think it's a fun gamble instrument or do you think it will have a serious role in the future? Did you put some bitcoins away? I put Bitcoin away for my son just for fun.
2: I, I did. Put some Bitcoin away myself as well, but I can tell you, it's um, in my view, it's pure speculation, it's pure gambling today. I don't dislike gambling, so I, 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 let's yeah. give it a try. Yeah, but if you look at it from a broader perspective, there are two elements. One, the whole blockchain technology is very interesting, and our industry looks at that very closely to see how we can how we can use that technology to better keep track of of movement of 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 information or money. Then the other element, the cryptocurrencies, uh, the whole idea about it, personally, I think it's great because if you think about it, all the different currencies we use all over the world, it's one big inefficiency. Why do we have to exchange yeah. currencies if we go to another country? I'm a big fan of the euro. I think that's that's a great uh, progress we're making. So yeah. think about it. Uh, 10 years ago, what is it, 15 years ago when you traveled 1,000 kilometers in in Europe, you had to exchange currency, currencies and five times it. if you were unlucky. Um, why? Why are we doing that? And we yeah. screwed five times, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, so the euro is, is, to that extent, a great thing. And, and, and if we would, in the end, move to one cryptocurrency that, that, that replaces all that.
0: That could I be a bit dangerous, one currency. No, I think… Because it, they, they also represent economic power.
2: Yeah but it's if it's if it's if and this is a utopia because this is yeah. going to be no, go long on. from now but if we have good agreements between governments about this and if we agree on accepting that currency as a, a main currency yeah. for, for 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 the rest of the world then we will make big progress. Yeah but getting there, getting all those those governments together and agreeing on that, I think that's yeah. a, uh, a long way from where we are now.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, mining crypto is one of the most polluting things one can do. It Definitely. is incredibly yeah. energy intensive, yeah. and it's still very silly. So we need to work on the technology.
1: Yeah, Mark, I'm gonna take you to Hong Kong. So I, I know <laughs> that you lived in Asia and Jakarta in, and in Hong Kong, and and one thing that. Um, you know, that was remarkable. Was that you have finished two Ironmans, right? Mm. And you start training for this one when you lived in Hong Kong. Now I can tell you, Hong Kong is pretty hot and, and humid. humid. <laughs> <laughs> so why on earth did you get the idea there to start training for triathlons? I'm all my life. I've been a big
2: sports fan, and I've, I'm I'm not very good in sports, but I love to watch it and I love to practice it sometimes. It was probably 12, 13 years ago when, indeed, I was living in Hong Kong and I uh, realized that I wasn't very fit and I wasn't very healthy. I was, when I was young, I was a swimmer. I played water polo. Uh, I love to, I'm Dutch. I love to bike. And somebody introduced me to triathlon. I said, oh, that's at least two of the sports that I at least am some familiarity with. And the great thing about this is that you can start this with very short distances. So you do a, what they call sprint distance, which takes you like 45 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes, and you can already compete in a race. So I start. Let's give that a try. Start small and then get it bigger. And what I realized over time, and this is, I this amazes me, how much a lo- human body can actually bear in these kind of things. As long as you just take it slowly and build it up very briefly with small steps and do it in a in a, in a responsible way. Uh, so I got a coach there who helped me say, don't do too much, just do small steps. And in the end, very proud that in the end I finished the full Ironman race uh, twice. And I'm going to do more. Um, I'm still doing it every day. um, And I will do more Ironmans the rest of my life.
1: Okay, for for our listeners, uh, I mean, an Ironman, maybe not everybody knows, but Ironman is you swim four kilometers, you bike 180 kilometers, yes. And then after that, you do a full marathon. And that all in one. Yeah. So, by the way, that's an Iron Man. So uh, we right. are looking at a totally fit uh, guy here across uh, <laughs> the coffee table.
0: Yes. Still today, I can give I can give testament to that. He looks pretty fit. Thank you. Connie. Yes, yes, Brian. You might not like this, but he looks incredibly fit. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's good. But you're getting there. You're getting there. We'll I'm getting
1: there. It. So uh, yeah. So probably I'll see you on the track. Uh, hopefully <laughs> you're, somewhere. You're trying as well, Eric. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I'm more in the uh, amateur uh, division. Yeah.
0: So finally, finally, I mean, I'm impressed, Iron Man. I didn't know it was that bad. Finally. Uh, Mark, what is the technology you are most excited about in your daily life? I, for one, sort of could not live anymore without the efficiency of navigation. I I, uh, marvel in the pleasures of Spotify and Sonos every day. What is the technology that most sort of brought joy to your life?
2: It's a tough question because it's every day um, you're confronted with new technology that makes our lives easier, more fun, more efficient. Uh, like I said, I bought this new electric car which is full of no- new technology and almost drives me without any help to uh, to Narda where we are now. Uh, I love my new AirPods. Uh, I love many of the things we do in daily life. So it's hard to pick one. I'm still most intrigued about, and this is a broader technology uh, thing. What I'm still most intrigued about is uh, in our business is that how much more information every day we get from our customers. We are, uh, at my firm, rabika we are at a, in a B2B environment and we always thought that in this B2B environment, internet or digital interaction would not be that important, but it is. And increasingly, we know more and more about our clients. Every day we see them do stuff online and using that information and implementing that information. That is for me exciting from a technology point of view, but also from a a behavioral point of view, because we see more and more, and again, in this B2B environment, we weren't sure that this would happen, but it is happening. We see more and more clients expecting us to use that information. And um, some clients, some of our more conservative people are saying, oh, this is privacy, you cannot use that, you should be very careful with using that information. But particularly if you go to the US, clients are actually disappointed if you don't do your homework and haven't kind of analyzed on what, information they downloaded from us what kind of information yeah. they they've requested from us and you should do, use that in your servicing if you don't you will be out of business soon
1: yeah hey mark
0: and I'm, rightly so
1: unfortunately we're at the end of the time so we could uh, talk for hours if you are curious which music weekend favorites mark brought with him check out www.fintechcappuccino.com
0: Mark, thank you for joining us here at The Kitchen Table in the Fintech Cappuccino podcast. And thank you for listening to Fintech Cappuccino. Don't want to miss another cup? Subscribe to our podcast via Spotify, iTunes or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And please give us a like, a review so many more Fintech Cappuccino lovers can find us.
1: Please join us again next month, Saturday morning at nine. We have the coffee ready just the way you like it.
0: Have a a good weekend. I want to take you somewhere, you know I care, but it's so cold and I don't know where. I brought you daffodils and a pretty string, but they won't flower like to flower.